This is the Jocko Underground Podcast, number 21, with Echo and me, Jocko. And we had a, an event take place um, a couple, a week ago, I guess. The, a guy by the name of Jim Searlesley, he was on Podcast 200, um, just an awesome guy. He was a Vietnam veteran. He was severely wounded in in 1969 about a month before he was done with his tour in Vietnam he ended up as a triple amputee and lost both of his legs and lost uh, one of his arms and he he just died he just died on on May 30th it's uh 2021 right now and it obviously horrible was it was unexpected um, but his story, when he came on the podcast and what he lived through, there was some, some layers to it. Um, when he had come home from Vietnam with this, you know, triple amputee, went to rehab for nine months and, you know, he learned all the things that you have to learn when you lose both your legs and one arm, how, you know, how are you going to get by? What are you going to do? What are you going to do to get around the house? How to use a wheelchair, an electric wheelchair, a regular wheelchair, how you're going to get in and out of that thing, what you need to be careful of, what you got to do to keep yourself as healthy as you can. And he went to that thing for nine months and he, then he carried on and he carried on with his life. He, he started a roofing company, he went to college, he started doing real estate, he ended up being the, the national commander of the disabled American veterans you know, later in his life, but he, he basically just carried on. And just an amazing, uh, an amazing human, an amazing person, and, and obviously hugely inspirational for anybody because he's doing all that and he's doing it with these with as a as a guy with one arm and it was interesting because when we got done with that podcast we were we we ended up sitting around and talking for a while and one of the things that he brought up was he said have you ever heard of a guy named Lewis Puller and he he obviously hadn't listened to the fact that um we had done a podcast about Chesty Puller, the most iconic Marine of all time. And then we did a podcast about Lewis Puller, his son, who was also wounded in Vietnam, severely wounded in Vietnam. He lost both of his legs. He had massive damage done to his hands. Lewis Puller did. This is Chesty Puller's son. And he came home and eventually some, well, in 1993, Lewis Puller Jr. killed himself. And and he wrote an incredible book, and we covered the book on the podcast, on podcast 122. The, the book is called Fortunate Son. And, and so th- with that background, which, which Jim Sersley didn't know, he says, have you ever heard of a guy named Lewis Puller? And I said, yes, sir, absolutely, I, I have. We did a podcast on him, I know about him. And he said, you know, I was in rehab with Lewis Puller, which was obviously very, I mean, a very interesting connection that he was, he knew him. And then he made this point 
Jim Sorley made this point that he said Lewis Puller never accepted 100% in his heart what had happened to him. He said, he, look, he, he accepted it 98, maybe 99%, but he never accepted 100% what had happened and never, never accepted that reality and moved on with it. And he said, and that's what, that's what killed him. Is we, we have to be able to accept reality. And I'm, look, I'm not saying I could do it. I'm, I'm not making that claim. I mean, I'm saying Jim Sorley did it, and he said he did it, and he's saying that Lewis Puller Jr. didn't do it. But we have to at least try and do that. You know, we did one of these a little time ago where I was talking about the fact that, um, you know, everybody's a little bit insane, right? Everybody's a little bit crazy Mm -hmm. because we all paint our own reality because the actual definition, the clinical definition of someone that is insane is someone that doesn't, their reality doesn't match actual reality. Well, guess what? We all have different varying levels of what reality is. Some of us are pretty close. Some of us are a little further up and you meet someone that's, they think they're in a better situation than they're in or they think they're in a worse situation. They're like, their reality isn't quite matched up and it goes all the way from people that are really closely aligned to what reality is. That's, I I think, probably the best place to be to people that are, definition by the definition of insane where their reality is totally different from actual reality but you know you meet some people that are like oh i'm gonna uh you know i'm gonna be uh i'm gonna be a a football player and you're like "Mm." (laughs) you know like their reality isn't there you know what i'm saying or um whatever you pick you pick a thing that somebody thinks is happening or they think someone they think someone cares about them I know they care about me. It's like, that's not really the reality. And they're just not there, right? They're not insane. They're not over on the far side of the spectrum where the reality totally doesn't match, but you can tell it's off a little bit. So we have the possibility of doing that as well when it comes to accepting reality and accepting where we're at 100% and accepting things the way they unfolded 100%. And again, I'm not trying to say I could do this. I have no idea. I've never been in a situation like that. But I'm going to say that we do have to look around. I've never been in that extreme of a situation, but I've been in some tough situations. And when you get in those tough situations, it doesn't help to keep that little 2%, 3%, 4%, 1% that's different from reality. It doesn't help. That little thing will eat away at you. When you wish that this wouldn't have happened or you wish you would have made a different decision, you complain about it, you blame you know, other people, you blame the circumstances and you get eaten up by that stuff. Stop doing that. Stop doing that. It's not, it's not beneficial to you. It's not de- beneficial to me. This is, a, this is really a tenet of, of extreme ownership, right? I know I can't control everything, but I can control how I respond to it. I know bad things happened, and I could sit there and blame other people. I could wish that it didn't win a different way. I could wish that it would have never happened. I could wish I would have made a different decision. All those things. Don't do that. 
stop wishing, stop complaining, stop blaming. Instead, be like Jim Searlesley, a, a, a freaking hero, and start doing. Start making things happen. With that, let's get into some Q and A. I guess. Yes, sir. So it's a rough <clears throat> subject. First question. I'm a seventh grade English teacher in Virginia, and things are not bad in the classroom. But it's my first year teaching, and I def- definitely have a lot to learn. I have one class in particular that's almost all boys and started this year out rowdy and have made great strides in learning when it's appropriate to be energetic and when they need to be when they need to respect others and their right to an education. But some but some days one or another of them will really be feeling his oats and the others tend to feed on that. I struggle to rein this in without a harsh tone and a demand, but it has to stop. So that their classmates can learn. Do you and Echo have any advice for leadership applied to 12 and 13 year old kids? I know you're both parents, so I'd be interested in your your insights here. Yeah, uh, cool question. And uh, I got some ideas about it. And these are all kind of ideas that I've used at various points in various situations with both my own kids with SEAL platoons. <laughs> um, f- number one, give them an outlet. Right, give them an outlet. If there's somebody that's getting fired up and they are having a hard time containing themselves, let's take five minutes to get that out of the system. What is it going to take? What do you want to do? I can see you're fired up today. What do you want to do? You want to get up here? I'll tell you what. I'll give you five minutes to talk to the class and you tell them what you think is what, right? So you give them an outlet. I remember we were doing urban uh, training and JP was all fired up. And we were getting ready to start uh, an evolution. Mm -hmm. And I looked at the, again, we're in this, so the urban training, we're in a fake city. There's like Mm -hmm. concrete building, you know, just like block concrete buildings and there's cars in the streets and, you know, old beat up cars are in the streets and stuff like this. And anyways, I, I looked at the instructors, I go, hey, before we kick this thing off, is it cool if JP smashes a window on this car? <laughs> and he's like, and the instructor's like, why? And I go, just so he can break something now, can, you know, get ready to go and feel something be destroyed. And the instructor's like kind of tilts his head and goes, I guess so. And I'm like, cool, JP smashed a window. Then he like took off his helmet and swung his helmet into the window. And there you go. But give him some kind of outlet. You know, maybe you need to let them, all right, get up in front of the class. You want to tell us what you're telling everybody. Let's go. Mm. Let them get it out. Let the class go. Um, Can you put them in charge of something? This is one of my classic leadership moves, right? Oh, Billy, I see you're fired up. I'll tell you what. Why don't you get get the attendance? Here's the attendance thing. Get it. I'm leaving. I'll be back in 10 minutes. Get attendance, right? Get it out of your system. You want to sound off? Cool. Cool. Um, Another tactic is take what they're doing and kind of take it to the extreme. Hmm. I remember I was going in, I was doing some reading to a class of kids, I guess a little bit younger than this, maybe like fifth, sixth, we're doing some warrior kid Hmm. readings. And, you know, kids are all amped up, you know. 
and I did the classic. Like, how are you? How are you kids doing today? And they're like, good, good, good. I'm like, I couldn't hear you, and I got them screaming. Right, getting it out of their system. The teachers are looking at me like I'm crazy, but it's getting that. It's getting it out of the system. Mm. Right, take it to an extreme a little bit. Oh, Billy, Billy, you can't sit still, can you? Okay, cool. Guess what? Stand up on that desk. What? Mm. Stand up on that desk. Tell everyone what you're so amped about. What are you so amped for? Mm. Let them let them get it out. I think the mistake that we make is trying to suppress it, right? Yeah. Hey, Billy, sit down now. It's like, hey, Billy, you want to keep moving around? Cool. Get up on your desk. Stand up on your desk. Mm. What are you saying? What, what do you mean? I mean, get up on your desk. Actually, your, my, your desk's too small. Get on my desk. Front of the classroom, go. Mm-hmm. You see where I'm going with this? Oh, Let's yeah. have some fun. Um, so, so those are like some little tricks and all those basically have to do with releasing some of the energy, utilizing it, utilizing it to let it out, utilizing it so they actually have to be in charge of something. Another important thing is make sure you, make sure you explain the why, right? Mm-hmm. Why is this important? Why, you know, you talk about the right to an education. Why is that important? Well, who cares? You're 13 years old. I don't care about an education. I don't understand what it's for. I know you're trying to control me, mm-hmm. and I don't like that. I, can, I don't understand how this is beneficial to me. Math, reading, I don't understand. Yeah. I want to fight people. Mm. I want to go and play uh, kickball. I want to go play dodgeball. Mm. I want to cause problems. I want to have fun. So everything that you're trying to do, it doesn't make sense to me why you're trying to get me to sit still and read a book. It's bothering me. I have a problem with it. Why? Because I don't understand why it's important. So when you, as a teacher, say, hey, you know why it's important that you learn something? Because what do you want to do with your life? Let me ask you this. Do you want to clean toilets for the rest of your life? Zero people say yes to that. Zero. Hmm. Well, no, I don't want to do that. No, I don't want to do that. Okay. What do you want to do? I don't know, but I don't want to clean toilets. Okay, cool. Guess who cleans toilets? The people that don't finish high school. People that don't have an education. That's what you're going to end up doing. So what I need you to do is I need you to pay attention. Why do I want you to pay attention? Because I want to give you a weapon. Anyone here want a weapon? Yeah, we all want weapons. We all want weapons. Mm-hmm. Guess what? I am a teacher and I'm going to give you the most powerful weapon that you can have. The ability to think. That's the most important weapon that you have. This is what you're going to use to fight your way through life. Who thinks life's going to be easy? Raise your hand. Who thinks you're going to get uh, your, your, your house handed to you on a silver platter? Who thinks you're going to get food handed to you on a silver No one. No mm-hmm. one's going to raise your hand. If you raise your hand, you're dumb. Mm-hmm. You're going to have to fight through life to get things. And you know what? You don't fight with your fists in that game. You don't fight with a knife in that game. You know what you fight with? You fight with your mind. And I am going to give you the weapon that you need to win that fight. So explaining the why, and I just gave you some examples of that um, thing. And you know, hey, cleaning toilets, no offense. Guess what? I cleaned toilets when I got to the SEAL teams. That's the way you do. That's what happens. That's what happens. So we got people out there. They do that for a living. Cool. Most people don't want that job as their primary job. 
Even when you have that job, you wanna work your way out of it. So we wanna be able to work our way out of it as quickly as possible. We can only do that if we are smart and have a brain and have honed that weapon. And that's what you're trying to get these kids to do. So you're fighting against nature here. And I'm not saying you can't fight nature, because you can. You're gonna have to impose some discipline at some point, but it's a lot easier to work with it. It's a lot easier to utilize it. It's a lot easier to take advantage of nature than it is to fight against it. You're gonna have to compartmentalize it sometimes. You're gonna have to put some controls on it for sure. But to the best of your ability, try and use it. And that's what I got. Classroom full of boys. Get some. I am any. Might be a parent for sure. I mm-hmm. am a parent. Mm-hmm. Actually, my boy, one of my boys, fifteen. But I can't say from any experience of mine that I would have any helpful advice. Only because my fifteen-year-old mm-hmm. is very respectful. Mm-hmm. He does not feel his oats, or as it were. <laughs> uh, and he listens to everything I say, mm-hmm. pretty much. Not perfect, mm-hmm. you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. But I, I, I have no experience with adversity on yeah, this, yeah, in yeah. this particular situation. Um, yeah, well, I have, uh, you know, my daughters and, and and three daughters and one son. Yeah, I've I experienced some of this stuff on, on all fronts. <clears throat> uh, my youngest boy, four years old. Mm-hmm. I anticipate me having to deal deal with yeah, this. That's yeah. a good a good. Because obviously you can do this even in younger kids. Like yeah. I, I feel like I can do this to him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Here's here's a good example of the the one of taking it to an extreme. Yeah, that one I like. So we, I was in going through basic seal training, and we weren't supposed to bring chewing tobacco out to San Clemente Island. Mm. I didn't chew tobacco. Doesn't matter to me. I'm not bringing any chewing tobacco out there, but somebody did. Mm. And the instructors found it. And they're like, oh, okay. They found like a mother load of it, like a small pallet mm. filled with chewing tobacco. Yeah. So what did they do? They made us all stuff our mouths filled with chewing tobacco. Oh, dang. You including too. me. <laughs> and then made us do eight count bodybuilders for a long time. <laughs> dang, bro. It and, and it sucked. It was awful. Yeah. Uh, so take something to the extreme, and it can teach people a lesson, right? Oh, you wanna smoke a cigarette? Cool, you sit here and smoke all the, you know what I mean? Oh, You've heard deal. those stories before. Yeah, yeah. So taking something to the extreme, that's what I'm saying, and and you can do that. Oh, you guys wanna get loud? Yeah. Cool. Yeah, it's get kinda loud. like, in a way, it's like, it's almost, I mean, in yeah, kind of the concept anyway. Mm-hmm. It's kind of a classic concept. Classic you know, concept. When, you, when the teacher finds, catches the two girls passing notes, mm-hmm. right? Oh, let's see that note. And they grab the note and they make them read it or whatever. Mm-hmm. They read it. It's kind of like that a little bit. Yeah, that's might be a, that might be a rough move in this day and age. <laughs> you don't know what that note's going to say. <laughs> you might get, put that back in the bottle. <laughs> You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yes, I do. I think it's a better thing. I think a better example of that would be like, okay, you two want to talk? Cool. Get up in the front of the classroom. You two can have a conversation. We're all going to look at you. Mm. Go ahead. Listen. Please. We're not passing notes. You want to talk? Go ahead. Talk. Yeah, I guess if you think about it, that might be where that whole thing came from. Where the, you know how the teacher will be like, um, it's almost like not, it's a rhetorical question really, but you know, okay, I'm a teacher. You're one of the many students and you, you're talking 
to another kid. Mm-hmm. I'm just supposed to be listening. And I'll be like, hey, Jocko, you have something to add? Right? Oh, yeah, yeah. It's yeah, kind of yeah, that, yeah, right? A little bit? Yeah. Huh, yeah. I'm going to use that. That's good. I like it. Shrek. Next question. I'm in a situation now that I don't know how to deal with. My wife and mother of four is addicted to alcohol. She doesn't drink too much, but the dose does affect her behavior. She drinks almost every day, but denies the problem. She either tells that she either tells that she's sober or tells that everything is all right. Then just escalates the situation. She hides the alcohol, drinks secretly, promises not to do that. No, to do that. She promises not to do that, but the next day she does it again. She's my wife. I'm responsible for her well-being. I want her. I want to do everything to stop her from drinking, but I don't know that. I don't know what. Direct approach does not work and leads to conflict. I try to show her all neg- all the negative impact drinking has on the family, but that doesn't work either. She doesn't trust psychologists and avoids any talks on the subject of addiction. Jocko, please advise what else I could do from the point of extreme ownership or any other point for that matter. Yep. So uh, she needs help. She needs professional help. And that means you need professional help to get her help. And there's people that do that for a living. They set up interventions. They know how to talk to people and explain the situation. Um, The whole psychologist thing. Actually, this is the same boat that I used to be in. Right, which is like, hey, psychologist, just some weird voodoo stuff doesn't make any sense. Like, but then in talking to uh, Jordan Peterson, Mm -hmm. I kind of realized, oh, these guys just are—I call them mind mechanics. They just understand problems that you can have with the brain, and they will help you overcome those problems. So, she needs a mind mechanic, and 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 you need—you're going to need some help getting her through this. And I'll tell you why. Because this is a freaking powerful force that ruins lives. That's why. And it doesn't seem, and it may not make any sense to you. It barely makes sense to me. It wouldn't make sense to me at all if I hadn't seen it time and time again with my own two eyes. People get addicted to this drug, alcohol, and they destroy their lives. They destroy their families because of it. And that's what you're up against. Don't underestimate what you're up against. You are up against an evil force that is going to be hard to fight against. And she's gonna need help, and you're gonna need help helping her. You, you know, in the spirit of extreme ownership, you wanna take ownership of this. You need to take ownership of how you help her. And that's what you need to do. You need to find some professionals. You need to get to talk to some people that have been through this process before. And you need to start taking her through this process. And I'm going to go hard right now. At a certain point, depending on what she does, you are not going to be able to enable her anymore and you are going to need to save yourself and your the rest of your family. That's the, wor- that's the worst case scenario. That's where this stuff ends up. There's a movie called There Will Be Blood. Have you ever seen this movie? Yeah. This is a movie about a guy who's very driven. He's an oil man. In fact, that's how he introduces himself. Mm-hmm. I'm an oil man. Sure. He introduces himself as an oil man and he 
runs around and he makes deals and he works hard and he and he maneuvers and he manipulates to get what he wants to to get the world arranged the way he wants to and it's a very powerful movie and in the end of the movie he ends up a, a just a uh, kind of pathetic alcoholic and the first time i saw it it was i don't know what year it came out but the first time i saw it i really hadn't had much close encounters with alcoholics in this way. And so I really didn't believe it. I, I had known a lot of alcoholics that were functional alcoholics. Mm-hmm. You know, oh, they drink, they're in the SEAL teams, they drink, they show up to work, they're a little hungover, but they get the job done. And I only see them at work, so I don't see how it's impacting their family. I only see it for two years when I'm in a platoon with someone, and then they disappear and I don't see them anymore. And I go, oh, yeah, oh, that guy likes to drink. Yeah, no big deal. It's kind of a part of the culture. Mm-hmm. So I didn't get to see it up, up close and personal in the same way. Eventually I did in the SEAL teams. But with civilian people is where I saw it in a much more extreme way. And I saw that alcohol was something that can totally, regardless, because what didn't make sense to me in the movie is how can someone that's in this much control and this driven and this disciplined to make things happen and this smart to do all these maneuvers, no one that is that smart, that driven, is gonna let their life be destroyed by this freaking bottle of booze. And it happens, and it happens all the time. So that's what you're up against. And and listen, I've known guys in the SEAL teams. These are mentally tough people. These are disciplined people. And I've seen alcohol destroy their lives completely. And in sometimes cost them their lives. So this is not a this is not a situation where hey Jocko on the underground podcast be like oh cool here's the, here's what you do you know tell her this tell her that use the indirect method you're going to need help in this battle bro that's what you're going to need this is a, a a satanic element that is powerful and you're going to need help doing this so there's a bunch of different places for information about this and you can literally google you know my wife has a drinking problem what should i do who can help me and you will get contact information of people that are professionals that do this all the time because we don't want you're going to need help against this enemy we don't want to get to a point where you have to save your family and yourself from her by walking away we don't want to let it get there hey all this being said i also know people who have confronted this demon and beat it i know i have friends who have confronted this demon with their spouse their spouse had this demon in their lives they confronted it and beat it it can absolutely be done but it is going to be a fight and you're going to need support go get it so true and and this isn't to discourage anything or anyone, obviously, but just in, just in the spirit of knowing what you're up against, because that because uh, alcoholism, if you're in it, doesn't seem like that big of a deal when you're drinking, mm-hmm. especially when you're on a certain point. Sometimes you can get to a point where you're like, oh yeah, it's obvious. But in a part of that, 
There's a bunch of parts of it. But part of that is like the marketplace, you know, you know, like a glass of wine is so mm-hmm. nice. You have cultures built around wine and wine mm-hmm. tasting and vineyards. And this is all positive stuff. Mm-hmm. It seems feels like it, but it's just alcohol. That's really what it is with a bunch of, you know, bells and whistles around it at the end of the day. So you can have an alcoholic ruin their life by drinking that exact wine that has vineyards and tastings and all this like, you know, lavish stuff, whatever this good stuff. Um, so the marketplace can helps this alcoholism get stacked against you if you're trying to beat it or if you're trying to help someone else beat it. There's that. And then on top of it, someone who doesn't want help is like, that's the hardest one right there. If it's like, it's one thing to be like, man, I can't, you know, I need help with this drinking thing or man, I drink too much, but I just, you know, whatever. And if you ask them, hey, would you be interested? What if like, what would a life be like with no alcohol, like you not being hung over every day or whatever kind of thing? They'd be like, oh, yeah, I'm down for that if you can help kind of a thing. That's different mm. than someone who's – and this is how you know. They're, if they're hiding it, they're hiding the alcohol. And there's different levels of hiding. Like there's the kind where they're straight up hiding it where like – For sure. You know, or are they – do they have it like in a in the normal cabinet or whatever and then they just hide it when they drink it? Like they'll yeah, I had a friend it. that was finding uh, two bottles of wine and – in the morning in the garbage in the garbage right right, right. every morning oh yeah and yeah. it's and it's you know and then but not in the inside house garbage but outside yes like exactly we're talking right. out in the thing yeah. right so she's hiding her drinking habits yeah exactly. and you know this it did not end well Bro. that's one example and i got yeah. example after example that's why i'm saying the warning here is you got a real demonic battle you're gonna have to fight And it doesn't see here's the scary thing kind of what you're saying It it doesn't seem like that big of a deal, right? It's like it but that's how it starts Oh, yeah, it starts with like oh, yeah, just a little bit here I've have you know wine after you go to sleep. I'm just gonna have a few more drinks That's where it starts. It doesn't end there. Yeah, so be careful, bro Yeah, and another thing that makes it like harder to probably from her perspective and just from the perspective of an outsider is that there are so many people who drink, drink, freaking whatever, a beer. Oh, for sure. Uh, you know, after dinner or at dinner, whatever, every day or pretty much every single day. No problem at mm-hmm. all. Not a problem. Not an alcoholic. None of that. No problem. And so this girl, this lady, and I'm sure with millions of other people, they are in the zone of problem. Mm-hmm. Like someone in the family is straight up saying this is a problem. Yep. They're in the problem zone, but they don't feel like it. They yep. feel like they're in the one beer at dinner zone. Yep. And they're mad at anyone else who would say otherwise. How do you what know? What are you talking about? Yeah, you're I'm not. totally you're, fine. I'm me. I know me. You know, kind of a thing. I still got up and did my job. That's not a problem. Yeah, exactly right. And But it doesn't work like that, you know? So that's how wonky it can kind of get. And yeah, so at the end of the day, when you're like, you said that at the muster too one time when you were like, I'm not a professional. You need to basically your mm-hmm. like your ownership has to be with getting this person help with some a professional, all that. Yep. Bro, I feel like that 10 million times over because no matter how much experience you get with alcoholism, whether it's you or someone you care about or whatever, it's it's just so difficult to navigate through it and how big yep. of a deal it is, how yep. big of a thing it is, you know? It's a big thing. And it might not seem like it's a big thing because it's because you can go to the grocery store and buy as much as you possibly want. So why would this why would they be selling something that people can be addicted and can ruin their lives? They don't sell heroin in the grocery store. They don't sell cocaine in the grocery store. Yeah, they don't sell marijuana in the grocery store. 
but they sell alcohol in there. So how can it be that bad? It's that bad. Yep. It is. Check. Next question. When would you two say you became very aware and conscious of the path and being on it? Conscious of times you were and were not on it. At twi- I'm at 28 now. I'll say I've battled to stay on it. I feel that I've surpassed the point which being on the path is a line in the sand that I cannot afford to allow myself to stray from. So I guess the question is, when would you two say you became very aware and conscious of being on the path? Look, man, I wanted to be a good seal. (laughs) And as I told Jordan Peterson, it took me some time to figure out what that actually meant. And in fact, my viewpoint now of what a good seal is is different than it was at my 19 year mark, Mm. right? So I retired 10 years ago. And my view of what a good seal now is different from what it was then. It was it was closer, but to what I thought a good seal was when I'd been in for a year or two years mm. before I got to a team, it's a lot different now. Yeah. And, and so for me, that that was the path. And I was always like, okay, I want to be a good seal. It just took me a long time to figure out what a good seal actually was. And like I said, it was close. It was in the ballpark for sure. It was on the right it was in the right direction, but sometimes it just was a little bit too far left, too far right. And it, so it took me some time. And then, but, but so I had that path in my mind. Well, what does that mean? Well, it means I want to be, you know, I want to know how to do my job. It means I need to be in good physical condition. It means I need to know how to fight. I need to know how to shoot. Like all those things, right? And those mm. things are kind of the path, by the way. Yeah. Right? I want to be able to interact with, I want to be able to support my team. I want to be able to lead the team. I want to be able to make good decisions. All those things are like part of being on the path. Mm-hmm. Now, there were some other things along the way. You know, what else are we doing that's stupid as a SEAL? That as a young SEAL, you're like, hey, if that's what we're doing, you know, that's one of my favorite expressions of yours, Echo Charles, is like, oh, that's what we're doing. Mm-hmm. You kind of, you kind of, it's your way of explaining, like, that's the, the peer pressure and the momentum of the group, like, Hey, I thought that's what we were doing. You know, yeah. you're kind of like, hey, I thought that's just what we were doing. You yeah, know, yeah. and so there were some things like that for me. I, I thought that's just kind of what we're doing. Like that's, hey, we're gonna go out drink and get in fights. Cool, that, that's what we're doing. You know, mm-hmm. like I'm, I'm. That's if that's what we're doing, I'm in. Yeah, you know, I want to yeah. be a good frog man, and that's what frog men are doing. Cool, yeah, I'm sure. down. Uh, so it took some time to figure out. Okay, well, what does that mean? You know, well, how is that really beneficial to us? Yeah. And the older I got, the more mature I got, the more I was like, you know what? That doesn't help us. Doesn't help our community. Doesn't help us prepare for combat. Doesn't now, is there a part of it that's like, hey, it helps us bond together? Yes, absolutely. That's there. At what point does the bonding together start to get over overwhelmed by we just had a guy get arrested or we just had our whole community look bad because somebody did something stupid? Yeah. And at a certain point, as I grew up, and as as that culture and the team started getting more exposed, it's like, hey, we can't be doing this dumb shit. Hmm. So, um, so that was part of it. And then, look, when you have when you get married and you have kids and you have people that are relying on you, and you know, hey, if I go out and do something stupid, it doesn't just impact me; it impacts not just my teammates, but also these freaking human beings that are counting on me. Mm. So that tightens up the path. That gets you a little bit more 
um, dialed in to the way you should be acting as a human. And here's the thing. We all know how we should be acting as a human. Well, let me rephrase that. We have a pretty good idea. We have a pretty good idea of what's good and what's bad. And I think that as you become more responsible, you get older, you have more people relying on you, we don't really mind letting ourselves down, right? Mm. Like, oh, if I get in trouble, whatever. But when you say, oh, if I get in trouble and the platoon's gonna look bad, and the task unit's gonna look bad, and the team is gonna look bad, and the teams are gonna look bad, that sucks. I don't wanna do that. I don't mind, oh, you know what, I, I got freaking busted for a DUI. This sucks, I'm gonna lose my license for six months and I'm gonna have to pay 10 grand, this sucks. Mm. But even that, you're kinda like, whatever. Mm -hmm. But then you realize, oh, I just made my platoon look bad. And now I made my task unit look bad. And now I made the SEAL team look bad. And now I made all the SEAL teams look bad. I don't like the way that feels. Mm. I don't like, what about your family? Oh, $10,000. $10,000 that I gotta pay to lawyers and court fees and all this other stuff. Meanwhile, my son needs a new bicycle. Mm -hmm. And I can't get it for him because I don't have any money. So you start thinking about other people and the way your behavior impacts other people, that tightens up your path. And then last, and I'm sure this is what you're thinking, when you start start to think strategically instead of tactically, when you start thinking about the long-term impacts of your behaviors versus the short-term, that's kind of the game changer. When you start saying, hey, I wanna eat this donut right now, it's gonna taste good, when you start connecting the fact that I will be weaker, fatter, slower, and dumber in the future if I eat this donut right now. If you say, oh, I'm I'm gonna skip this workout. It's gonna make me weaker, slower, dumber, and less capable in the future. If you say, oh, I'm not going to apply myself at my job. It's gonna make me, it's gonna hurt my team, it's gonna hurt me, it's gonna hurt my chances for promotion, it's gonna hurt my chances to influence more people because I'm in a better position. So when you start thinking from things, things, thinking about things in a strategic manner, you will tighten up the path. So I think those are the things that kind of put me on the path and keep me on the path and keep me going forward and keeping, trying to make the path more and more narrow along the way. And I don't mean that in a negative way, because look, uh, if I get home tonight, and my wife, if my wife made chocolate chip cookies tonight for dessert, and she went and got vanilla ice cream to make a little Sammy, (laughs) a little ice cream Sammy. Yes, sir. If that happened, Mm. guess what? I'm gonna have one tonight. Mm. It's not gonna happen, but if it did, I would do it. Mm. Does that mean I fell off the path? No. Actually, I'm on the path so I can have an ice cream chamois, which this is, I'm ripping this off from a, a SEAL friend of mine named mm-hmm. Scott. And when uh, he had this really funny way of talking, and that's one of the things he would say. He would say like, because there was a, a store or something that had these ice cream sandwiches that were really good. And he'd say, hey, what do you say we walk over to the PX and get an ice cream chamois? <laughs> So, I will have the ice cream Sammy tonight. Well, am I gonna have one three nights in a row? Yeah. No, I'm not. Yeah. No, because now I know, I'm thinking strategic, this is not good. 
thinking strategic, like, hey, my wife made these for me and I'm gonna be stoked and it's gonna be cool. We're all gonna sit around, we're gonna say how good they are. Mm-hmm. Bonding moment with the fam. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. App- approved. Yeah. So the path gets more narrow. Doesn't mean you can't ever step off of it, but it means that you're more in check and you go, you know what? I gotta, we're doing some extra burpees in the morning because of that ice cream. Yeah, understanding that there's a long game in play, that was, uh, I mean, if, if in fact the question was, when did I realize it? I, I feel like that's like, was the final like click, you know, you have like a Rubik's cube or yeah. something. The Anyways, final piece went into position. Went into position. And the thing is, I kind of knew that that's sort that's how it worked. I just didn't know that it that's how everything kind of works. Cause you know when you if you have a competition or something coming up or you're saving money to go buy something, like you understand that. You understand, yeah, if I spend this five dollars on freaking, you know, some arbitrary thing, I'm not gonna save my money to buy that thing that I've been saving it for, you know. So you kinda know mm-hmm. to stand the path in ways, you know, for that long game kind of a thing. But the long game is essentially everything. It and is the, everything. And that long game is long, long. Not long the kind game. like, let me save my money for the summer. No. It's bro, like, what does your money situation look like in like, you know how they say 10 year plan or whatever. But I, I used to be like, oh yeah, that's cool. That's good. But that's kind of a nerdy thing to be thinking about. You know, when you're like this young guy just trying to lift, you know? <laughs> so, I, you know, it just didn't really... I don't know. It wasn't as clear, you know, but then after a while and obviously with your rhetoric, (laughs) constant rhetoric, constant. Yeah, I kind of remember you assembling that information over time and eventually being like, it was like before we we were recording a podcast, we were talking about something. You're like, this is the biggest impact to me is I understand the strategic picture instead of just looking at the tactical picture all the time. The yeah. long game versus the short game. Yeah. I think that's a key component yeah. of the path. There's another one that I just recently, like, you know, you think you see something, you're like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah cool. And then you see it, you're like, wait a second. Mm-hmm. That that thing, that thing is really important there. Mm-hmm. And even saying it's important is underplaying it. Like, this thing is critical right here. Okay. This new thing What's that I just figured thing? out. The simple, simplicity. Oh, yeah, yeah, Like, yeah. making it simple. Yeah. So remember, and I kind of, I started to go off on you about it. Not on you, like scolding you, but re- right before we started training, then we had to train. So I was like, I could tell you're just like whatever. Mm-hmm. But I'm not into listening right now. Yeah, exactly. That's how it felt. Um, but you, uh, so you oversimplify stuff, and like for real, oversimplify stuff. Mm-hmm. And the thing is, that sounds bad, but it's not. It, you do it in a good way, mm-hmm. where I say oversimplify because you. You'll simplify stuff when really like the logical answer is be like, hey, wait a second. You can't simplify it like that because there's more to it than that. But the thing is to you, you're like, no, there's not. No, there's not. But the thing is in human nature as being a normal human being in society, yes, there kind of is. But then you're just like, well, actually there is. Yeah, because you chose to put those other things in there. So like, you know, how like, um, oh, how do you wake up at 430? Or how do you, mm-hmm. you know, how do you wake up in the morning and all this stuff? And then you go, yeah, the, the way you wake up at 4.30 every single day is you wake up at 4.30 every single yeah. day. Set your alarm clock and then get out, out of bed when yeah. it goes off. And then so I used to always laugh at that. Oh, that's a fun answer, you know, like whatever. And then, but in the back of my mind, I'm like, but Jocko, there's way more to it than that. 
you know, mm-hmm. and everyone's going to see that. Everyone's going to see right through your, your dumb thing, you know, and they're just going to kind of might even be dismissive and be like, eh, whatever. Like we all know normal human beings know that there's more to it than that. But after a while, you start to figure out with all the other <laughs> stuff that you do, like kind of wearing the same thing all the time and, it's like <laughs> <laughs> and not caring about like so much, you know, and then you start to realize, wait a second. Yeah, there's more to it than that. But bro, I, a normal person like me is putting a lot of effort into making sure there's more to it than that. You're over here just straight up. It's just not applying to you, no. you know, in all these ways. I'm like, man. So it's almost like you kind of got to let go of certain things, you know, which is hard to do just as a normal person. Yeah. I would say you're, you're accurate. I'd say the word oversimplify is not quite right. I can't think of a better, but you're you are right, but yeah. it's not quite the specific. It's it's almost like a truly simplify. You know, like yeah. you truly simplify things, which that makes me sound like, oh, I'm over here. I'm truly simplifying. Oh, I'm not yeah, trying to truly, say that, but truly. but yes, you are right. It is important to look at things, and really, you know what that is? That's actually a strategic move. Yeah. It's a strategic move to simplify things. Because what is it we're trying to accomplish? We have a business. What are we trying to do? Well, we're trying to get the fourth quarter results to ball. You know what I mean? Like you can break it down like that. You can be like, we're trying to make the best product that the consumer will buy and it will provide them the service they need. That's what we're trying to do. And everything else that we're doing, fourth quarter, third quarter earnings, all those things, we we get it. They're there. But what are we really trying to do? So what are you trying to do with your life? You know, what are you trying to do with your life? Where are you trying to go? And if you understand where you're trying to go and you understand it in a truly simplified way, it makes all your decision-making process a lot easier because it's really easy to say, you know what, I want to be very healthy and I want to be capable for my whole life. That's my goal. Okay, cool. What do we got to do to get there? Yeah. Is this, does sitting around on the couch watching another Netflix show help me towards that goal? No, it doesn't. Yeah. So we're not doing it. We watched one this week. Cool. We don't need to watch nine <laughs> tonight. Yeah. Does the donut help us on that simple goal? No, it doesn't. Yeah. Yep. Check. It's true. True yeah. and, simplification. And I agree with you. Where. When I say the only reason I chose oversimplification mm-hmm. is because um, when you speak from a normal person point of view, the thing is, yeah, we complicate things, but oh, we yeah. complicate a normal person complicates things to the point of just normal complication. Yeah, you know, you know you're right too, and pe- I've had people kind of respond that way of like, you know, you you're oversimplifying this. Yeah. Oh, am I? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, let's talk about it then. Let's talk about it. When the alarm clock goes off. You think that there's this big debate you should have. Yeah. You think that it's not that simple. Yeah. It yeah. actually is that simple. Well, here's the thing. For a normal person, there a debate goes on. That's part of normal life. Just yeah. like when you walk into someone's house, they're gonna have a, the, a you have that debate on the by way. choice. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. That's <laughs> the realization right there. Yeah. It's normal, totally normal. And in fact, if you don't, it's kinda weird. Mm-hmm. If you don't, you end up with guys like you. And it's kinda weird. True simplification. And everyone, bro, walk into someone's house. <laughs> 
a normal squared away person's house to look mm-hmm. on the walls. They're going to have pictures of this and pictures of that and all this other stuff. Oh, I get it. Like if it's a, if it's pictures of like the kids and all, I get that, mm-hmm. but like they'll have art, they'll have a decorative vase maybe somewhere in mm-hmm. there. They'll have, you ever seen a wall in someone's house that has nothing on it and it's big? It's kind of weird. kind of mm-hmm. stands out, you know, mm-hmm. but that's you. That's your wall. <laughs> no, not, you don't. Cause you'd walk in there, you'd see a big, beautiful piece of art. And you'd be on those hanging on the wall yeah. and be like, hey, you don't need that. Yeah. That's kind of the, the, the idea. You know, mm-hmm. you don't need that. And a normal person would be like, well, then it'll just be a plain wall. And then you just won't have it. It'll just be crickets. You'll yeah. be like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it'd be a plain wall. But see how you're oversimplifying yeah. it, you know, yeah. but it is. Yeah, it is true simplification. Exactly. Exactly. Right. But sure. these complications are part of everyday life for an everyday for a normal person is what I'm saying. But if you can realize that, I think anyway, when I realized that I was like, oh, that's like a little superpower right yeah. there. And you can do it you can get a little hints of it. You know, when you don't feel like working out, but you're like, nope, here's the clock. Boom. I'm setting the clock. I'm going to work out freaking do my thing and whatever. And I don't care. I just I'm simply not going to care how I feel right now. We're just doing it. Yeah. And Simple then, as that. So that's like a little example of that. Now you got to just be like that. Then you then you start to understand the way, the path. I think there's uh, four things. There's actually eight, but there's four things essentially that you know you're on the path. And, and there are four things to sort of focus on. Mm-hmm. Be aware of how good you're doing. Mm-hmm. And you can, you, you know, yep. you know. So it's basically your health, physical capability and health. Right, that goes for everything, diet, all this stuff. Mm-hmm. That's one. Two is your relationships with people, intimate and friendly. That's and family. That's two. What you do with your time. What you do that's of value with your time. Um, that's your job, hobbies, whatever. Like what you do. Oh, how, that includes how, job and hobbies. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Fully. I mean, there, like I said, there's really eight, but these are like uh, mm-hmm. this is a simplification of it. And then the other one is how you look at the world, like your freaking attitude, essentially. That's it. Those four. So you will be slipping off the path technically if you are letting any one of those falter. You can be killing it on three. You let one of those falter, you're technically off the path. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and around we go. That's how you know. And that's how I know. Check. It's true. I like it. All right. Let's get to that next question. Next question. Asking as a woman married to a hard charging man, what is the most helpful thing your wife does for you? Uh, my wife is emotionally independent. What does that mean? It means she doesn't rely on me to um, uplift her emotions. I'm not saying I never do that, but I'm just saying she's not reliant on me to do that. She, she can go and drive on with a great attitude you know, which is our fourth uh, measure of the path. She'll have a great attitude, kind of regardless of what I'm doing. Hmm. You know, which is which is awesome because that meant when I was going on deployment, she wasn't going, you know, calling me, trying to create friction so that she could get reactions, so she could get some emotional uh, reactions from me, so that we have an. Emo- no, she didn't do that. Hmm. Emotionally independent, which is a, a beautiful thing. Um, and also independent in other ways. I mean, in kind of every other way, right? Mm-hmm. Now, can this go too far? Yeah, I don't want my wife to be like, oh, when are you coming home? I'm gonna be home in three weeks. Okay, cool, later, don't care, right? Mm-hmm. We're not talking about that. Right, right. But she's not relying on me um, in really, 
in a really heavy way for really anything, right? Like car breaks down, she's got it. Um, you know, something happens, she's got it. She's, she's got it. She's mm-hmm. independent. So I think that independence is very good. And she's not like in my face about it. Not like, I don't need you. Right. No, she's yeah. not like that. So it's just a good balance of she's very independent. And yet we are a team. And since we're a team, we cover and move for each other. Mm. She covers on all kinds of stuff. We have roles and responsibilities. And she does a whole ton of stuff. A whole ton of stuff for the businesses, for the household. You know, she's she's running the house, right? She's running the house. Mm-hmm. I don't do any of that stuff. Um, she does it all. She runs the, she's like the CFO. She's like the chief financial officer mm. of all of, the businesses, well, uh, well, of some of the businesses that I have. So she's running all that. That means she's interacting and running all the people that are involved in those aspects of those businesses. So she does all that, and that allows me to do what I'm doing. And, and so what do we do? We, we run things through the laws of combat. Cover, move, simple, prioritize, and execute, decentralized command. That's what we're doing. And that's what she does, that's what she does, that's what she understands. In order to do this right, you gotta understand what's the mission of your family unit, right? What are we trying to do as a family? Same thing you were just talking about, like when we have a goal as a human, well, what is our goal as a family? And then we can easily make decisions. Does this support our family goal? You know, we wanna pay off our mortgage or we wanna put a down payment on a house or we wanna uh, make sure that the kids are capable of defending themselves. Like we got these goals, we got this mission as a family, as long as we're aligned on that, we're good to go. Mm-hmm. You know, when I go and work hard for three straight weeks and don't even, you know, barely communicate with my wife, she knows that I'm on a mission that she's a part of. Mm. We're on the same mission. I'm not over here just gallivanting around doing some random thing that doesn't support the family mission. Mm. So that's what we're doing. We have a mission. We're on the mission. The mission is understood and what we do is in support of that mission. That's what my wife does for me. All kinds of helpful things. I guess it asks for the most helpful thing. I mean, I guess I listed too many of them. Yeah. yeah she does a lot. Yeah, that's kind of hard one because when you're like, oh yeah, she does this, but wait a second, that's not more helpful than this other thing that mm-hmm. she does or whatever. And the, yeah, it kind of, but yeah, that's a, I think as a, woman married to a hard charging man it's it's kind of like you know it, it is cool to get like what other women wives are doing successfully you know yeah, what can you take husband. off his plate right what can you take yeah. off his plate yeah, yeah and it's the same thing for the husband what can i take off my wife's plate yeah you know because she's getting dragged in beat down by especially when the kids were younger oh yeah when the kids were younger it's like hey one. what can i take off your plate yeah. So, yeah, my kids are now old enough to go to jujitsu yeah. right at like the like the basically end of business, right? Like the four o'clock, four thirty mm-hmm. time frame. Yeah, so yeah. we started doing that, bro. Never stoked. seen my wife so happy oh, about yeah. that one because she's of how much she break. does. You know? Oh yeah. I come home, the house is all like spick and span. Yeah. Like she's and not the kind of like oh because she had to do it just because hey I can you know how much stuff I can do you know? Yeah, yeah, it's true. All right, all right. last question. Last question. Jocko Echo, you've talked about the steps to take to deal with altercations should the occasion arise. Avoid, de-escalate, and or jujitsu in that order. 
But what what should someone do if another person, maybe a friend or family, or even an unassuming bystander gets into danger, i.e. some drunkard on the train, before and during the threshold of violence? Well, obviously the same things are going to apply in terms of what we're doing. We're going to do, we're going to start with some nonverbal de-escalation, meaning, you know, Make your presence known a little bit. Maybe you step into a situation. You let people let let this drunkard or bum or whatever criminal see that you're there and that you're paying attention. So it's sort of a nonverbal thing. Mm -hmm. Maybe we have to do the verbal. Again, this is the same thing. Just because it's someone else, I'm still doing the same thing. I'm not going to let some weaker person get uh, abused or taken advantage of or injured or whatever, right? We're not letting that happen. So we're doing the same steps, whether it's towards me or whether it's towards someone else. So we're gonna de-escalate, right? A verbal de-escalate. First, you know, sort of a presence, then a verbal de-escalation. And how do you do that? Uh, try and humanize the situation, right? Yeah. We we think we need to go for like the, hey, you better back off. That's escalation, yeah. right? It's, it's better to go, hey man, it's not worth it, man. She's, you know, <laughs> she's not worth it or whatever. Mm-hmm. Hey, dude, don't worry about it. We're getting off the train next stop. You know what I mean? Let's just de-escalate. Let's humanize. Let's create some distance and control the distance, right? So we, how do we back away from someone, get away from them? We don't, hey, 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 man, why don't you just come with me? Let's walk over here. Let's get away from this guy. He seems a little crazy. Yeah. Um, what's What can you create for for dead space, right? What can you put between you and this this person Mm -hmm. can you get a park bench between you can you you know can you back away down the subway and get those you know get the go to a different car what can you do to create distance or dead space something that's gonna be an obstacle for this that this person's gonna have to overcome look around for some weapons right like what's what do you see where do you see on them are you look checking their hands are you checking their pockets are you seeing if they got a bulge in their pocket or whatever so maybe they're carrying something are their hands hidden right what's going on identify weapons for you like okay what's the status of your weapon do you need to you know start to think about how you're going to draw your weapon if you have a weapon which hopefully you do if you don't have a weapon for whatever reason um, okay, what weapons are available? Is there something on the ground? Is there something, you know, can you pull a pen out of your briefcase and get ready to stick it in this dude's eye or whatever? Um, I, so identify whatever weapons can be used. We don't want to go into a, and you got to ex- anticipate that the other person's going to have weapons. Unify and direct the crowd, right? So there's a crowd of people. Start saying, hey, like, hey, let's back away from this. Start to unify the crowd. And get back up if you can. You know, like, hey, bro, if this guy makes a move, we're going to have to do something. Yeah, I got you. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. unify the crowd. Give the crowd some direction. Isolate the individual. Again, creating dead space. Notify the police, right? Hey, call 911 right now. This guy's out of control. Mm-hmm. And if you don't do that, you know, they're going to have their phone out, but they're not going to be calling the police. They're going to be videoing this <laughs> idiot and videoing you. <laughs> Continue to de-escalate. Um back away, get people out of the way, expect the unexpected. Um, you gotta expect people are gonna have a knife with them. That You gotta expect, if you're gonna get an altercation, you're about to get stabbed. Mm. That's what you gotta expect. Because it's real easy to think, I'll take this guy. Yeah, yeah. Guess what, he's got a freaking shank in his pocket and he's gonna stick it into your kidneys. So it's not worth it. Avoid at all costs. 
Mm. If, if the dude charges and you gotta do something, you do everything you can as fast as you can to take him out. That's what you do. Yeah, Finish it. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad you said that about the de-escalation where, you know, in my old job, mm-hmm. that was the whole deal, just yep. de-escalation. If you're doing it right, I think. Yeah. Um, Be nice, where as it, uh, Dalton as said. Dalton once said. Yes, sir, that is correct. Be nice until it's time to not be nice. Yep. But most of the time, it's it's rarely ever time to not be nice. Rarely. I mean, it happens yep. Yep. 100%, especially when you're dealing with drunkard on the train or something like mm-hmm. this. Yeah, 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 for sure. But most of the time, being nice de-escalates. And what you said, which is a cri- which is critical and a very common mistake too, by the way, is when people will try to de-escalate, but they're just escalating. Mm-hmm. So they'll be like, Hey, like trying to basically trying to like impose themselves as the authority in the situation, you know, mm-hmm. kind of like, Hey, I see what you're doing there. That's yeah. not right. You know, that yeah. kind of the thing, like you're going to break it yeah, up. You need your, to back down. Yes. Break it up with your authority. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, that's not like, just like you said, that's escalation, literally escalation. Mm-hmm. No. So de-escalation is kind of like a, a big one that I would do if, if it's like, if it's like two people like confronting each other, like real avoidable situations, yeah. like in a bar, which that's that was the gig where the most hostile of the two i would go for him to de-escalate because if i went for the guy who's less hostile i'd be like hey it's not worth it or whatever and the guy would be like yeah you're right it's kind of easier then now the guy meanwhile the hostile guy yeah he's like that's right walk away walk away walk away and meanwhile you know and it makes it harder so you go for the more hostile guy and be like hey hey, hey, it's all good hey you know and what are de-escalate and all this other way and it has a lot to do with just like how you said humanizing Mm -hmm. them and jumping on their side for a second. Yeah. Not on their side as opposed to the other guy, yeah. but on the side like, hey, I know you, I like you. Yeah. Re- not not it's like reflect that guy. and diminish from leadership strategy and tactics. It it's like, hey dude, I got it, bro. I, that I, guy I, looks like a dork. Bro. I can't believe he's in here, all good. No, no, no. But it's not worth you getting in kicked out In the bar out of situation, here. you don't say that guy looks like a dork. Mm-hmm. And if you do, he, the other guy can't hear it. Like you don't yeah, do yeah, it like yeah. that. Oh yeah, for sure. You definitely but, don't want to let the other guy but, hear bro, it. That's exactly what it is, is reflect and diminish. Yeah, you gave it a really good name there, but that's what you do. You jump on his side. Yeah. You'll be like, blah, blah, blah. Hey, it's all good. In fact, my friend Tony, who used to be the head door guy one time, he did this one thing. I don't know if he had a full handle on the technique, but mm. he said this one thing that I was like, ooh, that is a good technique. This guy, huge guy, huge, like, buff guy. He'd always come in there, right, and never really caused many problems ever. Actually, never did cause problems. Mm. He'd stay a little later than maybe he should have. Mm. You know, when you're trying to kick everybody out, yeah. he'll, like, stay. Anyway, aside from that, never any problem. So he was always like welcome and it was like, cool, that guy again. But one time he got in this like argument and he got really mad, like angry at this guy. And it looked like he was trying to fight. And to hold this guy back is like, bro, that's going to take a lot of work, right? And Tony kind of had the relationship with him mm-hmm. more than the rest of us, you know? So Tony, and he's kind of the boss at the time. And Tony goes where he had to hold this guy back from fighting with this other guy. And the other guy wasn't. He, the other guy was kind of, he, you could tell he didn't want to fight, but he didn't want to run away, right. you know? So yeah. he was like, what? Still talking. So this this big guy, the big guy, there was no reason for him to calm down because he was just getting antagonized by this other guy that he was in an argument. So Tony's like trying to yell at him. He's not listening to Tony at all, but Tony's holding his, his wrist. And the guy's like trying to fight off Tony's hands, not trying mm-hmm. to fight Tony, but trying to fight off the hands to let him go. So... Um, Tony's like, hey, hey, calm down. He's like, hey, don't do this, man. Don't. This guy's not listening to Tony at all. Like, literally, like, he can't hear him. He's yelling at this other guy. And Tony yells, like, loud. He's like, hey, man. He said, cut this shit off or knock this shit off or you won't be able to come back. 
and he like kind of heard it mm-hmm. and he calmed down a little but he's still and the guy's still yelling at him so they said and he says again he's all bro you will not come back here you will not be able to come back here mm-hmm. and the guy just calmed down kind of like oh yeah huh but tony didn't say it like i'm not gonna let you back here he's like you won't be able to come back kind of mm-hmm. like hey oh yeah like a bro know? i like yeah bro yeah, we're yeah, trying like to i love when you, it, it almost like in just that line it made him feel like he was saying hey we love when you come here and you're gonna ruin that for us you know, yeah, kind of yeah. thing. And the so guy, like, the, his tone down. was very important. He wasn't very like, important. you do that, you're not going to be able to come back here. Because then he's just creating it and exactly. He was like, bro, if you do this, hey, bro, you're not going to yeah. even come back here. Exactly. There bro, I go. saw what he was doing or what that did. And I was like, oh, that was that was good. That was a solid little technique right there. Bro, this guy was huge, too. He was like 6'5". Check. Uh, so there we go. Try not to let it happen, man. It's bad, bad stuff. You're getting shanked. That's the way I look at it. With that, thanks for joining us. Thanks for supporting us. If you want to support some more, you can get some supplements from JockoFuel.com. You can get clothes from OriginUSA.com. You can get stuff from JockoStore.com if you want to represent while you're on the back, as yeah. Echo Charles likes to say. Bunch of books. We got EchelonFront.com if you want to help with your leadership scenario. We're on the interwebs. Echo's at Echo Charles. I am at Jocko Willink. And thank you for joining us in our little sovereign space that we own. We, us, all of us, together, the underground, where we will always remain free. And until next time, this is Echo and Jocko.